Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Tonight I want to talk to you about healing the brokenhearted. Healing the brokenhearted. And I do want to, as usual, give credit where it's due. So, uh, many of these insights have come from Hen- Henry Wright, whom God has granted a lot of in-depth understanding about these things. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 4? In Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 18. Jesus is reading from the prophet, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, one of the things that we want to receive is Jesus' ministry to the brokenhearted. You know, you and I were made by God to give love and to receive love. And that's how we came into the world, expecting to love and to be loved. And guess what? Over the years, many of us have had our hearts broken by trauma, by difficulties in life. And, you know, there are lots of people that are still walking around with a broken heart. But Jesus has come to heal broken hearts. You know, good news. If your heart is broken, Jesus has come to heal your heart so that you don't have to live with a broken heart forever and ever. You know, how do people's hearts break? They break by unfulfilled expectations. You know, you have your heart set on something. We use that expression. It doesn't come to pass. And so there's a tremendous letdown that goes deep and wounds you on the inside. Unfulfilled expectations. It could be because of something that someone else promised you or something you were anticipating, hoping was going to happen. And it just didn't come through or it didn't come through as you thought it would. And so there winds up being a tremendous wounding and a sadness deep on the side, on the inside of you. And it can also cause you to even not to want to trust and to believe again because being hurt like that deeply it makes you want to have a wall come up around your heart to protect it because you see you and I were created to give and to receive love and when you and I don't receive the fullness of that there is a wounding that comes on the inside of us and unfortunately we're in a sinful world and broken hearts just happen very very often a broken heart is also happens but from broken dreams there are things that perhaps that we have been believing God for or working toward for many years. We've pressed in. We've spent money. We've gone to school. We've, we've plowed away. We've worked. We've done everything that we knew to do. And when it came down to the end of it, it still didn't work. And, and because of the dream being broken, it's like we lost even the momentum to still keep going forward. You know, the Bible teaches us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's, after a point of time, there are only so many hurts and wounds a person can take before they just want to quit and not do it anymore, you know? It's broken dreams that lead to broken hearts. Also, broken hearts come from trauma. 
from trauma. Sometimes it's from tremendous wounding, from rejection, maybe from childhood or maybe from close friends or family members. Many times broken heart comes from rejection through things like divorce or through things like the death of a family member. When there is a trauma, something that sets that breaks your heart inside. Trauma can also come from accidents. How many people have had disfiguring accidents and it's caused a brokenness deep on the inside of them that only God can heal? Um, Trauma, also grief and abuse. There are people who were brought up in abusive environments and they didn't get that love. They didn't get that nurturing that they needed. Instead, they were shut down or they were neglected or perhaps they were violated in some way. And so the heart becomes broken and also becomes shut down and doesn't want to trust and doesn't want to reach out to anyone else. Sometimes the heart is broken by illnesses long-term chronic illnesses either within a person or within someone close to them and therefore if you know if you have a parent that was sick for a long time can cause a broken heart in the child because the parent is ill and is not able to be able to minister and take care of the child sometimes the heart is broken because of circumstances surrounding conception you know sometimes There are people who are born who are the product of incest or the product of rape or or the pregnancy was at a time in the life when the family was going through such tragedy and difficulty. You know, during those seasons, it can cause a broken heart, not only from the parent, but can cause a broken heart in the child because they did not receive what they were needing. A broken heart can also come from people who have not been properly nurtured or loved or covered by their father. There are tremendous wounds in people today because their father has not perfectly loved them or covered them or has nurtured them. Do you know that God has designed that fathers are to demonstrate the heart of Father God to their children? Now, I know that's a heavy burden to put upon a father, but the truth is God has designed you to come up And to demonstrate, this is what God is like to my children. But even if you had a really good dad, how many of you know he wasn't perfect? And there were times he was short-tempered. There was times he was not feeling well. There were times that he, for whatever reason, his own weaknesses, his own imperfections, was not, not there to properly nurture, cover, and build up and take care of that child. And so for many times you have a child whose heart is broken. Sometimes a child's heart is broken because dad spends more time in front of the computer or upon the TV or upon the reloading bench or something instead of spending time with the child. Because, see, a child measures love, T-I-M-E. There's no such thing as quality time, folks. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as quality time. To a child, they need that time with mom and dad. Well, guess what? If dad's in the military and goes to Korea for a year, there's going to, through no fault of his own, there's going to be wounding that comes to a child, you know. Or maybe dad's got to work two jobs to put food on the table. You know, there are things that happen that somehow a child does not receive everything that they have need of. Or maybe, maybe dad was just too absent. He was there. He was a good provider. But he did not know how to love children, did not know how to nurture children. I've heard from more than one man that says, I don't know what to do with children. And, you know, many times because you didn't have that growing up, so you don't know how to do it for your kids. But the truth is, God has designed us, has designed parents to emulate the love of God to their children. Because your father is the first person that teaches you about God. 
And if your father was abusive or cold or neglectful or legalistic and hard-nosed, that's how you think God is. He's the first one to teach you about God. Many people have broken hearts, and it's hard for them to receive from Almighty God as their father because of the woundedness they receive from their natural father. There are so many children who have a hard time, who grow up and have a hard time believing God will love them just as they are. God will love them if they don't have straight A's on the report card or they didn't clean their room or they didn't get the promotion. But you know what? The Bible teaches us that God loves you just as you are. But you know, when we grow up in an environment of conditional love, a lot of times our hearts are broken and we have a hard time receiving the love of God. Fathers are to demonstrate the heart of God to their fathers. But let me tell you what else. Husbands, husbands, you are to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to his bride. There is a, there, God lays a heavy responsibility upon men. You need to show your children the heart of the father, but show your wife the heart of Jesus. How does the Bible say that Jesus teaches his wife, his bride? He lays his life down for her. What does 1 Corinthians 13 tell you? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not insist upon its own ways. You know what? Think about your relationship with the Lord Jesus. How does he treat you? Pretty good, (laughs) doesn't he? Jesus doesn't put a lot of heavy burdens upon his bride. He said, my yoke is easy and my burdens light, didn't he? Do you know that Jesus is the demonstration of a perfect husband, someone who lays his life down at his his own expense to make life better for his bride and for his children. You see, and many times you'll have wives who were looking to receive that from their husbands, but their husbands didn't give it to them. So you've got brokenhearted women because they were expecting to be loved, but the love of God coming through their husband and it didn't happen. Yes, it's a heavy load to be on the guys, but this is how God designed it. God designed it because you're not only capable, but you're called to it, guys. This is your calling. You're called to do this. You are called to be a source of healing for your your wives and for your children. Isn't that wonderful? God has designed you. There is a place that a husband can speak to his wife or a father can speak to your child that is so healing that touches them deeper than somebody else can. You know, so much of the time in, in our society, the women are the one that get laid all this stuff about bringing the children and raising them and all that stuff. But you know, your father is the one that tells you who you are. Your father is the one that makes you feel like you belong in the earth. Your father is the one that gives you a sense of strength and boldness and security. Your mom can impart lots of things, but there's a unique type of a strength that comes from a father. And I want to encourage all of you fathers and all of your husbands, minister love to your family. Let the the love of God pour into you and pour out to those people around you. And you know, not just limit it to your family, but to everybody. Because, you know, it's time. You know, Henry Wright says, you know, we've been hearing about the upcoming revival in the body of Christ. He says the next revival will not be led by women. The next revival will be led by men. You see, I believe that God is calling the hearts of fathers and children back to to each other. I believe that God is doing a work of healing sons so that sons can become fathers and brothers, you know, and husbands. But you know what? We've all got to get what we need from God to be able to minister it to somebody else. Isn't that right? Now, this also means 
that those of us who are children and those of us who are wives, that we've got to quit pointing the finger at those who hurt us and let us down. You can't give somebody what you don't have, you know. And for whatever reason, a lot of us did not have it to give. But we're looking to heal these things. So we want to heal broken hearts. The hearts of children, the hearts of wives, the hearts of sons. We want to heal broken hearts. And Jesus has come to do that. When children and wives do not receive that being properly loved and nurtured and covered by our father or by our husband, they live in fear. Women and children who do not get what they need from their husbands and fathers wind up being insecure and they wind up having an undercurrent of fear that runs through them. The women know I'm telling you the truth because there is a strength and a stability that comes from that husband or that father in her life. And even if she is Miss Powerful, Demon Buster, you know, overcoming, whatever, there's a place inside of a woman that draws a tremendous amount of strength and security from her father and from her husband. What happens when our hearts have become broken by all of these types of things? What's going to happen to people who have a broken heart, have an inability to experience the love of God? They have an inability to love themselves. You know, I've talked to a lot of Christians. They can love everybody but themselves. You know, they're, they're the ones, they're self-critical and, and judgmental and bitter against themselves. You know, because they've not received that sense of validation and security that they needed. And so that broken heart is manifesting in an inability to experience love. It also means a fearfulness in relationships with God yourself and others. How many people are waiting for God to zap them with a lightning bolt? How many people are waiting? I mean, some children, they grew up in the home waiting for dad to just haul off and pop them one, you know? How many children are afraid of the belt? They're afraid of their fathers. I don't mean reverential fear. I mean afraid, afraid to get beaten. You know, there is a fear that comes in that's unhealthy because there was not that, that, that overwhelming, perfect love that needs to be there. So there is fearful that comes in our relationships. We're afraid that other people are going to treat us wrong. We're afraid that other people are going to criticize us, that they're not going to, that they're not going to treat us with love and with safety because we did not receive that foundation from our fathers or from our husbands. Now let me tell you, the problem with this is if you don't have healing and if you don't have healing from this broken heart, and if you don't have peace from God, then Satan has got access to your bone marrow. And it's going to make you sick. As we've been talking about spirituality and physiology, understand Satan is looking to bring fear, anxiety, stress, bitterness, resentment, things like that into your psyche, into your being, and it's going to cause a messing with your immune system. You see, what happens is that the first commandment, what did Jesus tell us the first commandment was in Matthew 22? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, right? With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, right? The two greatest commandments. Jesus said all the law and all the prophets hung upon these two things. So if we have, because of a broken heart, an inability to love God, an inability to love our brothers and sisters, We have violated the two commandments of God that everything else hangs on. When we're in that place, understand, we are in a place of being receptive and open to the lies of the devil.
With disobedience comes a curse. Well, Satan's just looking for us to disobey. So guess what happens? He sets you and me up to make sure we get a broken heart. He sets you and me up with sinful parents, with sinful situations, and makes sure that you and I get disappointed, that things happen so that he can get a crack in to our immune system and into our lifestyle. And so what happens, you need to understand, a compromised immune system is not an accident. Allergies, allergies are not happenstance. It doesn't just happen to some people. It happens because of a compromised immune system. They are a byproduct of an intelligent design by an ex-archangel who has been watching mankind for thousands of years. You see, the devil's got a plan. He and his kingdom have got their sights set on you. And the devil knows all he's got to do is get your heart broken and you don't get it fixed and you'll wind up sick. Your immune system will be compromised. There are so many things that we have blamed on the devil, but yes, we didn't go back far enough. It's not just a disease germ came into our being. It's how come we were open to that disease germ. Remember what Louis Pasteur said. It's not the disease germ. It's the medium upon which it falls. It's not the germ itself. It's the environment that is conducive to growing disease. You know, scientists say that you will grow over the lifetime, you'll get 200 cancer cells. That is the norm, that the human body will produce 200 cancer cells over a lifetime. But what happens is, if your immune system is strong, it eats them up. If your immune system is compromised, it doesn't recognize cancer cells when they come. And so then it finds a place and lodges within a person's being. A compromised immune system. Let's talk about that for a minute. Psalm, excuse me, Proverbs 17:22 says, "A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones." Dries the bones. What are we talking about? Dried bones. We're not talking about osteo, you know, arthritis or something like that. Where is your where is your blood manufactured? Inside the marrow of your bones. Doesn't Leviticus 17:11 say the life of the blood, um, the life is in the blood, right? So the life is fl- coming out of your bones. You are producing red corpuscles, white corpuscles. It's being produced right now inside your bones. But if you have a broken spirit, it's messing with your immune system. Y'all remember biology class, right? The red corpuscles, right? They bring the oxygen to, to your body. And what do the white ones do? Eat up the bad guys like Pac-Man, right? Pac-Man, who's that? Show my age. Eat up, the, eat up uh, and dissolve and attack invaders. The enemy knows that if he can steal your peace, then he can cause excessive cortisol to be raised, to, to be released in your body. Your peace, remember those are the stress hormones. Cortisol is a stress hormone. If your peace is stolen, then your glands start secreting cortisol. Cortisol in short amounts is just fine. But when you get an excessive amount of cortisol in your body, it winds up becoming detrimental to your immune system. Cortisol, too much cortisol will actually kill your, your T-cells. Your T-cells, these are your killer cells, your white blood corpuscles. These, this is your defense mechanism. You get too much stress, it kills your immune system. This is why when you get so stressed out, you get sick easier. 
It's hard to fight things off. You know that if your immune system is strong, you can fight off a lot of things pretty quickly. But you know if you've been going through hell a mile at your family, on the job, whatever's going on, if that stress is eating you up, then what is happening? Did you ever, ever have a cold you couldn't shake? Ever have something that you just couldn't seem to get on top of? Did that happen in a season of high stress? Yes, it did. There was some kind of fighting, some kind of problem somewhere that was going on. You see, everything that comes into your body has an antigen flag. God has designed your white corpuscles to recognize that antigen flag on every kind of invader that comes into your body. So if a virus comes in, you know, it sends a little signal and your body goes, oh, that doesn't belong here. And so then the antibodies and all will be, re- will be released. God has designed it that your, your white blood cells will recognize your corpuscles. They will recognize every virus, every bacteria, every cancer cell, and they will go to work to eat it up. God has designed that if you have a healthy immune system, your white corpuscles will have interleukin-2 available, and that allows them to see, to be able to identify those antigens. Interleukin-2 is that chemical substance that allows them to know, okay, I can see that antigen flag that tells me that's a bad guy. We don't want it. But what happens is that if, if the, um, if the inter- interleukin-2 has been compromised by your immune system, it doesn't send the signal to your white blood, cell, blood, um, blood corpuscles. It doesn't send the signal to them. They don't recognize the antigen flag. And so those little disease germs just kind of go along their merry way, and they're not being attacked and are not being taught, uh, taken care of because of suppressed immune system that started with a broken spirit that dried the bones. That's where it started. And, un, you know, there are some people, we've known some people that they're just sick all the time. They've just got one infection after another. They get the cold. They get the flu. They get the stomach virus. They get one thing after another. Listen, folks, your body was designed to fight off that stuff. If it's not fighting it off, something is going on inside of us. You know, and for for a long time, we've just listened to, you know, the medical people or the diet people, and we says, well, it's because you didn't get enough of this or you got too much of that. It's because of those pesticides out there, you know. It's because of the, uh, you don't get enough vitamin C or blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you don't read that in the Bible. What you read is a broken spirit dries the bones, you know. And you think about it, there are some people in other parts of the world, they don't really have access to a lot of variety of food. But a lot of times they're really healthy because they've got the strong immune system. And, you know, that's what we're looking at. We, we live in a, such a wealthy country. We've got access to all kinds of resources, and the body of Christ is sick. We're not seeing strong, healthy people in the body of Christ. We're seeing a lot of sickness because we're seeing a lot of broken hearts and we're seeing a lot of compromised immune system. An unhealed broken heart will not only cause your soul and your spirit to fail, but will cause your physical body to fail as well. Our body is affected by our thoughts and by our memory concerning who we are and what we believe about ourselves. You know, if you have believed 
if you had your heart broken, if you were raised up in a home where you were told you were worthless and you were no good, you, brought, you bought that as a child. You believed it as a child. When you took in those negative words, they became a curse to you. Your serotonin levels were depleted. You wound up being depressed. You wound up having hurt feelings. All kinds of chemical things happened, and it caused your compromised immune system. We've also seen that people with environmental illness, how many of you know, have heard about environmental illness or multiple chemical, chemical sensitivities? We've seen people, they're allergic to everything. Some of these poor people, I mean, they, they're just living behind tinfoil. You know, they, they can't eat dairy, they can't eat wheat, they can't eat peanuts, they can't wear silk, they can't wear, you know, synthetic, they can't breathe this, they can't go there, they can't, you know, it becomes a prison. And, you know, we've seen, it's just horrible. And, and you know, when they went down to, um, down in Georgia where the ministry was for Henry Wright, he says they had a number of people who had environmental illnesses, multiple chemical sensitivities, came into the ministry. And they did the research and they found out that all of those people with that severe type of allergic sy- sy- um, symptoms going on in their lives had at least one out of five major abuses in their life if not more than one. The first one was emotional abuse. The second was verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And the fifth type of abuse was drivenness, performance, and perfectionism in order to meet the expectation of a parent in order to receive love. And that includes religious legalism. Because sometimes you have Christians that wind up in this because they're trying so hard to be loved, trying so hard to be loved and not knowing that they have been loved out of a broken heart. You know, what happens when somebody is under that kind of oppression, that kind of legalism, that kind of abuse? It is not a healthy environment. Remember I said you're born in this world to give and to receive love. When you don't get that and you take in that kind of abuse, it's going to cause problems to manifest in the rest of your body. If you have not been loved perfectly or nurtured or covered, Fear is going to come. What's 1 John 4.18 says? It says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. If we have been brought up and not been loved healthy, there's going to be that element of fear on the inside of us. You know, so what's going to happen, folks, when a person has a broken heart and has a broken spirit, because of trauma, because of not being loved properly, because of difficulties happening in life. Broken heart doesn't stop with a broken heart. What happens, think about this, last time you got your heart broken. What happened real soon after that? You began to resent the person that broke your heart. Maybe began to judge them, criticize them. Unforgiveness came up. And do you know that if that thing is not healed within a season of time, a root of bitterness takes root and you wind up with a real problem. The Bible says in Hebrews 12:15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. Let me, let me just stick a little parenthetical note in here. 
I realize that some of these verses and things I'm talking about, if you've been in the body of Christ for any length of time, you've heard some of this before or you've heard all this before. You know, sometimes we come to church and say, well, I want to hear something new. I want to hear something new. I want to hear something that's going to get us healed. Okay? I want everybody in here 100% healed. I don't want you carrying around the same junk that you've been carrying around for all these years. And if you're healthy right now completely, I want you to stay healthy and stay strong. And I don't want you to get us down to, you know, it's your kids below you or whatever. We need to be healed, right? We need to be healed and strong. So sometimes in the church, we're looking for the big, powerful, dramatic revelation. And you say, well, I don't want to hear about this. I heard this before. Folks, if you got the, if you got the fruit, you got the root. If you've got the symptoms of sickness and disease, there is something going on inside of you that we need to address and fix. Let me tell you, one of the, um, one, you know, Proverbs warns us about fools. You know, Proverbs talks about four kinds of fools. One type of fool is a hardened fool. A hardened fool is someone who you can't tell them anything. They ask you for your advice, then tell you why it won't work. You tell them what to do, and then they go, they don't listen to you, then they whine and complain. They don't like it when you correct them or anything or point out something they're doing wrong. You know, we don't want to be like that. You know, I don't want us to sit here and say, well, I already know that. That doesn't apply. That doesn't apply. Folks, if you got the fruit, you got the root. I want us to dig down and look and make sure that none of us, as Hebrew says, has a root, a root of bitterness within us. It says, see to it that we don't. That means have some examination and look. Because you know what? You might not know that you've got a necessarily a root in there. Because roots aren't necessarily up here on the surface where everything's showing, right? But, so, but a root is something that goes deep. And it says here that it will spring up, cause trouble, and by it many be defiled. That means contaminating your life, contaminating your relationships and things that are going on. So we want to look and find out. Let me tell you, bitterness is extremely common. It is so common. I bet you everybody in here has got a little bit. It is very common. And you have opportunities on a daily basis, a weekly basis, how often, to get into bitterness. And you see, because the devil is still trying to set you and me up. If I can just get their heart broken, if I can just get them offended, get a little bit of offense in there, a little bit of unforgiveness, I'll get in there with the bitterness. I'll get in there, compromise the immune system. Work is done. It's time for this stuff to stop, folks. Jesus died for our healing, for our deliverance. You know, we were singing that song during praise and worship, and, and the word coming about the Lord being our, our victorious champion. And I'm sitting here, and I'm, the thing that keeps coming to me is, Jesus, you're our deliverer. A deliverer. When you know, I need deliverance from sin. I need deliverance from demons. I need deliverance. Jesus is our deliverance. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bitterness. Let's look over at Luke chapter 11. Bitterness is not an emotion. Bitterness is a spirit. It is a a spiritual entity who moves in. You see, it's a root of bitterness, looking for a place to dig in deep into the foundation of a person's life. Bitterness is a strong man. In Luke eleven twenty one, Jesus says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. 
Bitterness is a strong man that wants to move into your house. It wants to move in and invite all his little bat, nasty little buddies with him and to keep your life on the track that it has chosen for you. Bitterness is not you. You know, remember when I taught several weeks ago, we talked about the principle of separation. We have to learn to separate ourselves from that thing. Everything in you that's not like God is not you. It's an alien invader, and it needs to go. Because, see, we've been creating God in true holiness and righteousness. I have the, we have the life of God on the inside of us. We have a regenerated spirit on the inside of us. We were created with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. But th- Paul said, there is within my flesh, there's no good thing. Remember, we talked about the, the nature of sin that is dwelling within the flesh, and that is to be crucified and put down. So there is bitterness, it's a spirit, and a sin that moves into your life, and you can't say that that's me anymore. That's not you. We need to separate ourselves and say, that is not me, and I'm not going to allow that thing to operate and function through me. It's not who we are. God did not create you and me to be bitter. When you see someone who is bitter, how many of you have ever seen somebody who's really bitter? I have, right? What happened to them? Their whole personality got warped, didn't it? Remember when I taught you weeks ago, a fabricated personality, a warped personality? That's one where sin and demons are in operation. You know what? If we get rid of the sin and the demons, you're probably a really nice person. Really happy person, really wonderful person. It's the sin and the demons that irritate and cause all these problems. See, I love you. I think you're wonderful. But we have to look for bitterness against God, against ourselves. And against other people. You see, if you've got a broken heart, there's somebody you want to blame for that. Isn't that right? Come on. We want to blame somebody. You broke my heart. You hurt my feelings. You let me down. It's all your fault. If it hadn't been for you, this wouldn't have happened to me and I wouldn't be in this pain. We always want to blame somebody. Okay? Sometimes we want to blame God. God, you could have stopped it. You could have changed it. You could have fixed it. And you didn't. How many of you know, the devil's the one telling you all these things in your ears. God could have prevented that. God could have stopped it. Why? Because the devil is your enemy and is seeking to separate you from the heart of God. The devil is the enemy that comes in and has people hurt and wound you to get you offended at them, get you offended at God, and then get you hating yourself because of your, un, you know, your unlawful response to it. How many of us, do not raise your hands, but we have all struggled with self-hatred, self-bitterness. It's one thing I can forgive you, but I held a higher standard for my own self. I knew better. I shouldn't have done it. You know, there's lots of times we, we live with regret for the things that we did in ignorance or even the things we did willfully. Who is behind all of that? Not the Lord. Not the Lord. God doesn't come to bring condemnation. The devil comes to bring condemnation. Because if he can get you into hating yourself, rejecting yourself, hating God, rejecting people, guess what's happening? What's happening to your homeostasis? What's happening to your hormone system that's going on? What's happening to your immune system? And you wind up becoming, in your physical body, the fruit of what's been going on inside your spirit and your soul, right? 
You see, folks, we got to learn to separate. Understand, you're not my problem. You're not my problem. You're not my problem. You guys are not my problem. I'm not your problem. I really am not your problem. I got news for you. God's not your problem either. God is the one. Do you understand? Jesus bled and died because of God's love for you. I encourage everybody, spend some time in the book of John this week. Just spend some time in the book of John about the love of God, you know? So much of the time, the devil comes and accuses, accuses God to us. God lets you down. He didn't keep his promises, blah, blah, blah. You know what? We got to choose to believe God's word and say the devil is a liar. He is a liar, seeking to separate and seeking to get us into a place of broken heart and bitterness. When it says here in Luke 11, talking about the strong man, it says, it talks about the armor upon which he relied. The armor is what protects the strong man, right? It's what keeps things in place. So when the spirit of bitterness moves in, it's got some friends that likes to come along with it. Jesus said in Mark 11, 25 and 26, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who's in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father who's in heaven forgive your transgressions. Folks, if we want to be healthy, I mean physically healthy, if you want to be emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy, if we want to be free, then we are commanded by God to forgive people who have hurt us, and we've also got to repent for our own bitterness. Repent for allowing bitterness to have its expression on the inside of us. Do you know that these are spirits who love expression? You know, I remember years ago when my kids were growing up and, and uh, teaching children to resist temptation, something every parent gets to do, right? Teach your children. And I remember one time talking to one or both of my children, I don't remember, and explained to them about, you need to understand, the devil likes to get you in trouble. The devil likes to get you to disobey your mom so that you will get grounded, spanked, whatever. Do you understand? The devil loves it when kids get in trouble. And I would say to my children, do you understand you're playing into the devil's hands? Because guess who gets grounded? You get grounded. Who gets spanked? You get spanked. The devil just goes on. He's happy. Got him in trouble. Got her in trouble. You know, it's like, understand, we're going to have to start frustrating the devil. And not giving in to the temptation, to the, to the accusations and things that he is bringing to our mind. And instead, just start resisting that and not receiving the consequences. Amen? I tell you what, that'll help you kids. Understand, it's not your mom the problem. It's not your dad the problem. It's the devil who tries to get you to disobey. Because then you get in trouble. That's right. Jesus has commanded us to forgive people who have hurt us and repent for our bitterness. Now, there is, a, um, there is a progression that happens when the Spirit, when the spirit begins to move into a person's life, lifestyle, lifetime. Do you know that the devil comes in, first of all, there has to be an invitation. Do you know that demon spirits can't just go into anybody's life and take over somebody like they want to? They have to be invited. Demon spirits enter into your life through sin, through wounding, or through inheritance. You don't just walk down the street and one decides to pack, you know, come along. 
there has to be some type of wounding or sin or through generational lines that it comes. The open door for bitterness is unforgiveness. So if you have a broken heart, a broken spirit, there is unforgiveness towards the person who offended you, the person who hurt you, whether that person is God. Yes, lots of Christians get angry at God, unforgiveness towards God, or towards yourself, forgive everybody in the world but you, or unforgiveness towards somebody else who has hurt you. When there is unforgiveness, it actually invites bitterness to come on in. Unforgiveness, we can't hold on to that stuff a long time because it doesn't just stay put. It grows. Unforgiveness is a spirit that says, I will not let this go. It's a spirit that says, I am not willing to forgive and I will remember what he did. And it comes up, that spirit comes up every time. You're feeling just fine. You wake up in the morning, you throw your eyes open, and then you remember. Anybody else ever had that experience? I have. Doing just fine, and then you remember. Folks, that is a spirit trying to break your heart and compromise your immune system. So the unforgiveness comes in, and it begins to bring in other spirits beyond itself. See, these things start out to where you start with unforgiveness, but you wind up with progressively worse spirits after that, increasingly evil spirits. But it starts with unforgiveness. I've told y'all, you know, before, I've told the Lord that I don't want to be a crabby old lady. How does a person become a crabby old lady? By having unforgiveness in the younger years and not dealing with it then. Crabby old people, they didn't come into the earth crabby. They got crabby over the time, didn't they? That's right. They got crabby. You know, and I've seen people, and I've watched people in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, and I've seen so many people deeply wounded in their 50s to the point where I was asking, you know, friends and family that are older than me, what gives with wounding in the 50s? Because I knew so many people deeply wounded by life in the 50s, and I, in their 50s, you know, divorce and tragedy and family disease and all kinds of things. Like, what is going on? The devil is trying to get people into bitterness, trying to get people into things falling apart in their lives. So a spirit of unforgiveness comes in that says, I will remember. I'm not going to forget it. You hold on to unforgiveness, and bitterness says, thanks for opening the door. Bitterness moves in. The next spirit that comes in from unforgiveness is resentment. You see, unforgiveness and bitterness bring all the rest of these in here. Resentment it is a feeling of ill will, indignation, resentment. Resentment says, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. And I will never forgive him. Resentment is kind of a slow burn. You know, unforgiveness can be an immediate wound, but resentment, you can tell, that's something that comes over a period of time. It's kind of a slow burn of ill will. I don't like him. Think about who is it that you don't like? You know, most time we don't like people because of unforgiveness. Ask to tell you the truth. Why don't you like him? Well, he just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it's because you're judgmental and critical. <laughs> you know, does Jesus like this person? Yeah, Jesus loves this person. Why don't you? Why don't I? Well, I'm just a different personality. Well, how about being conformed to the image of Jesus then? All right? I think there are things we make excuses for. 
You don't have to be best friends with everybody. But when people irritate you, what is going on? There is judgment going on inside your heart. There's criticism going on inside your heart. After resentment comes retaliation. Retaliation is revenge. You start with unforgiveness, bitterness comes in, then you've got resentment, and then you hold into resentment long enough, and you know what resentment says? He should pay. He should pay. This guy should not get away with this. Resentment turns into retaliation, revenge. A lot of times in revenge is we start plotting ways to make them pay. Sometimes it's passive-aggressive. Sometimes it's, well, we just happened to, you know, not mail in the contract, and so, you know, they got in trouble because it was late. Real passive things. But sometimes we begin to plot ways that this person's demise should happen. They should get fired. They should, you know, you have these little imaginations. They should, you know, have these bad things happen to them. Somebody come and run into them and fire them and whatever, you know, these things. All right? After retaliation comes anger and wrath or rage. Do you see how these are progressively worse? It starts with resentment. It moves to, I mean, it starts with unforgiveness. It moves to resentment, retaliation, and then we're into anger and rage. Rage and wrath, this is vocalizing threats. Now it's no longer a slow burn inside. Now it's, I can't stand him. Now is, he's not going to get away with this. Now it's starting to be vocalized, come out of the mouth. Anger at this point, you feel it and you can see it. And we use expressions like, I saw red. I was so mad I could have chewed nails. We use expressions because now this has fueled the emotions. You see, this is several steps beyond unforgiveness. But if you don't deal with unforgiveness, you wind up in rage. What follows rage is hatred. Hatred begins the stage of elimination. Hatred says, I cannot be in the same room with that person. It begins to want to remove this person from existence and then moves into, I don't think this planet's big enough for the two of us. Hatred moves into a place. I mean, I've known people who think they've forgiven, but they can't stand to be in the same room with that person. That's hatred at work. Hatred says, this person does not deserve to live. And hatred says, I despise him. When you, if you've, we all know it, we've all felt hatred. Hatred, you almost want to spit it out. It feels like venom. I hate this. I hate him. I hate her. See, hatred has moved into vocalizing. It has moved into, I've got to separate and remove. This person can't be in the same room with me. Following hatred, what's the next step after hatred? Violence. Anger and wrath in action. Violence says, you're going to feel my pain. And so the very resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness that we feel on the inside, now understand those demons are seeking expression. Because demons love expression, right? That's why they get little kids in trouble. So that hatred is giving place to violence. I mean, wrath and violence is going, I've got to express myself. Violent demons aren't happy unless they're hitting something, screaming, throwing something, knocking something over. Physical demonstration. Spirit of violence. Abuse comes with violence. Anger and rage in action. What is the final piece of this bitterness armor that follows 
violence is murder. Murder is the final spirit. It can either be actual murder or it can be murder in the heart, meditated, to where as far as you're concerned, you've killed them in your heart. You've got it all planned out, urge to kill. There comes the knife and just kill them. Imagine it, fantasy, meditate in the heart. And then also murder with the tongue, slander, gossip, kill somebody's reputation, cause someone's livelihood to be killed, killed somebody's ministry, killed somebody's marriage through slander and through gossip. It's an ugly, nasty thing, isn't it? The root of bitterness defiles many. It goes to this progression is evil. Do you know what happens? That's happening in the spirit realm. Do you know what happens to a, in a person's physical body that allows these spirits to have expression? Cancer, tumors, cysts, arthritis, heart attacks, incurable diseases, all stemming from a broken heart and bitterness. Folks, we can't afford this stuff. We can't afford it. I know they might have hurt your feelings, but is it worth dying over? Is it worth getting sick and dying over? It's not worth it, folks. It is not worth it. I know that you feel that you were done wrong. I know you feel somebody needs to pay. It's not worth getting sick over. It's really not. You know, the best thing you and I can do is forgive people and go on with our lives. Forgive people and get ourselves healed. Right? And give people some space. You know? And separate and understand that was not them that was hurting you. That was sin at work in them that was hurting you. The devil was setting us up. The devil seeks to split and to divide. You know, I've been, I'm dealing with a lot of deliverance issues right now. So guess what's going on in my life? I'm getting stuff stirred up left and right because I'm ex- beginning to move in some real exposing the work of the enemy. And you know what? Devil doesn't like that. They like to be in darkness just like cockroaches. I like to be in darkness. Don't nobody know I'm here, you know. But you know what, folks? Tonight I'm exposing a work of bitterness. And tonight we're going to break covenant with bitterness and get rid of this junk and get your broken heart healed and get you healthy so that devil is not able to put cancer on you or arthritis or heart problems or whatever else. And if you've got those things, we're going to believe God for restoration and miracles. Amen? We're going to, do it the, we're going to deal with this stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all junk. Yes. Healing spiritually rooted diseases starts with getting your relationship with God right, getting your relationship with yourself right, and getting your relationship with other people right. That's where healing starts. It's all about restoration. It's all about restoration. A lot of people don't want to do that. They want to go to the doctor and get another pill. Folks, getting a pill doesn't fix the root. It may keep you alive long enough to deal with the root, but it doesn't fix the root. It's a Band-Aid on the surface. No judgment for anybody on pills, okay? But I'm saying, if we're going to deal with this, we want to deal with the roots. People, if you are on, most people, not everybody, but most people on medication wish they weren't. Some people, they like it. They like the self-pity and they like all that junk that goes with it. Most people are tired of having to get the refills, paying for the stuff. Oh, my goodness, if nothing else, I don't know how many of you price prescription medicine lately, but it is very expensive, and then deal with the side effects anyway. You know, most people I know that are on medication had rather not be. 
I don't think I'd like to be on it. You know, I think I'd rather be off. So let's, let's go to the roots of what's going on. Let's get our bodies back functioning as, we, as they need to be in a healthy immune system. I want us to take a few minutes. If you would just go ahead and close your Bibles and close your notebooks. And we want to spend a little bit of time here in prayer. And as I'm talking about these things, I know I'm challenging you. I know I'm stirring some things up. That's okay. You know, when you go to the doctor, they push on you, they prod on you, they make you feel all miserable, don't they? Sometimes you're just like, man, does this hurt? You know, yes, that hurts, how they do. (laughs) Maybe this is going to hurt for a minute. But we want to identify where are the problems so we can get these things fixed, okay? Let's just take a moment in prayer. Father God, we see in the word that Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. And that, Lord God, there are many of us tonight that we've had our hearts broken by life. We've had hurts. We've had disappointments. We've had trauma. We've had unfulfilled expectations. We've had broken dreams. There are many of us, Lord God, that we've been the walking wounded. I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to put your finger on every broken heart here tonight. Put your finger upon the event, the event that broke the heart, or the series of events that broke the heart. Who was it? Who broke your heart? Maybe it was your dad, your mom. Maybe it was your best friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. Maybe it was a pastor, a boss, a doctor. Who let you down? Who broke your heart? Lord Jesus, you said that you were here to heal the brokenhearted. So, Father God, we bring our broken hearts to you. Father, we bring our pain to you, and we bring that painful incident or series of incidents, and we bring those people, even if it was Almighty God, we bring the people who hurt us, who offended us. We bring those people to you right now. The Lord said that when we, were, when we did to pray, that we need to forgive those who have hurt and wounded us in order that God may forgive us. So let's just take a few minutes and let's just whisper a prayer of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean that what they did was right. It means that we release them to the will of God. If the person you're offended at is God, tell God, I forgive you, God. And I'll let you go. Father God, we release this person, that person. I release the one. And mention the name of the Lord. I release them, Lord God. I choose to forgive them, and I choose to release them to the will of God. I release them to your will, Lord God. I release them. I'm not the judge of the universe. You are the judge of the universe. 
In my eyes, it looked wrong, but I don't know everything. I release them unto you, Father God. You're the judge of the universe. I release them to you. Now also, the Lord said as we forgive, that he would forgive us. All right, we need to be forgiven for holding on to unforgiveness. We judge those who sinned against us. We judge those who hurt and offended us. We set ourselves up as a judge. We were critical, and we need to be forgiven. We need to repent and to be forgiven. Father God, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord God, for every critical thought, every judgmental attitude, every word that we've spoken, every attitude we've held against those that forgave us. God, we did not separate them from their sin. We made their issue our issue. And we repent, Lord God, and we release them into your hands. And we ask for forgiveness. God, forgive us. We don't want to have unforgiveness in our hearts. We don't need bitterness in our lives. God, we don't want any part of this. This is not who you are. And this is an alien thing on the inside of us. This is an alien, painful thing on the inside of us that we want freedom from. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pray this with me. Father God... I take responsibility in my generations on both sides of my family for bitterness, and I renounce it. I repent and I renounce unforgiveness, resentment, retaliation, anger and wrath, hatred, violence, Murder, murder, including murder with the tongue. Murder with the tongue. I, ask for I ask for forgiveness. And that the curse be canceled. The curse be canceled. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I set aside the strong man of bitterness. And I take authority over every spirit of unforgiveness, every spirit of resentment, retaliation, anger and wrath, hatred, violence and murder, including murder with the tongue, gossip and slander. I take authority over you and I command you to loose your hold and to go from these people now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command you to leave the premises now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you have, your power has been broken. You have been repented of and renounced, and you have no place. We give you no more access in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin, from all iniquity. We have confessed it before God, and it has been clean in Jesus' name. And now, strong man of bitterness, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to loose your hold upon this people. I declare to you that your house is desolate. I break your power and command you to go from this people. Now, in the name of Jesus, I say bitterness will not spring up in us. Bitterness will have no expression in us. We forbid it in the name of Jesus. We command bitterness and the whole family to go from us now in Jesus' name. All right, go ahead and command those things to go from you now. Go from me now in the name of Jesus. I refuse to tolerate bitterness. You're not staying in me. No expression in me in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah.
praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Everybody take a breath. Hallelujah. Father God, I ask, Lord God, that you create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Father, I ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit for every place where there has been defilement, contamination, and woundedness. I ask for the Holy Spirit of God to come in and to wash us clean, to bring cleansing, to bring healing, to bring restoration into our beings in the name of Jesus Christ. And right now, God, I call for healings. I call for miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. God, for everybody's immune system who has been compromised, I ask for God for supernatural, supernatural restoration in the name of Jesus. I speak to the bone marrow and I say, Come again and be strong strong and healthy. The life of God flows within you. I say that your white blood corpuscles, your killer cells, those, those T cells, they are all functioning in strength as Almighty God designed them to. I build up and I speak life to your immune system in the name of Jesus. And I come against every disease germ that's tried to settle in your body in the name of Jesus. And I command that thing to go from you now. And I declare your immune system rises up and is strong and healthy. The life of God, the vitality of God flows through your being now in the name of Jesus. Father, for every place where there has been damage, I lose creative miracles. Every place, Lord God, where the physical body has been damaged through the cardiovascular system, through the endocrine system, through the muscular system in Jesus' name, through the um, the sensitivity through the hypothalamus, I lose creative miracles in Jesus' name. And I speak chemical balance into the human bodies here tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father God, whatever your situation is, we're just going to lift it up to the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. You are the healer. Jesus, you healed everyone who came to you. And Lord, we have come to you wanting to do things your way. And we receive life and health and healing. And we declare, Lord God, we give no place to the devil. We give no place. Bitterness will have no place in us in Jesus' name. Our immune systems are strong and healthy in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We praise you, Lord, that we are cleansed, healed, and delivered by the precious blood. And we are thankful for you. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Praise you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.